0: Bokertov, Tov, good morning. Shalom, shalom. Welcome, everybody, to our Aliyah day. Hope that you're having a uh, beautiful day this morning. It is a bright, sunny, kind of cold, crisp day for us here in Tejas. And I hope wherever you're watching from, it is a uh, beautiful experience wherever you are. Baruch Hashem. This is the uh, second day of the week. We are in Parashah Kitisa. This is uh, going to be the second Aliyah. But in fact, it's really more like the second reading because the the, uh, the second Aliyah is rather long. And so the first Aliyah was chocked full of uh, great information as well. It was kind of long itself. So we're kind of uh, finishing up the first Aliyah and uh, prayerfully we'll get into the second Aliyah. But fear not, we shall get through the entire Torah portion and all the wonderful uh, lessons that we were going to learn from it. One way or the other, Baruch Hashem. So, we are going to be on page 489 in your Art School Humash, And uh, we'll be reading from chapter 31, uh, beginning in uh, verso 1 for our Sephardic uh, friends there. And so, Baruch Hashem. It begins, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, See, I have called by name Basilel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Yehuda, I have filled him with a godly spirit, with wisdom, insight, and knowledge, and with every craft to weave designs to work with gold, silver, and copper. So it says, stone cutting for setting and wood carving to perform every craft. And I, behold, I have assigned with him Ohaliab, son of Ayesamach. Of the tribe of Dan, and I have endowed uh, endowed the heart of every wise-hearted person with wisdom, and they shall make all that I have commanded you: the tent of meeting, the ark of the testamental tablets, and the cover that is upon it, and all the utensils of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure menorah and all its utensils, and the incense altar, the elevation offering altar and all its utensils, the laver and its base, the knit invest- vestments. The sacred vestments of Aaron, the Kohen, and the vestments of his sons to minister. The anointment oil and the incense spice of the sanctuary, like everything that I have commanded you, shall you make it. Verse 12 transitions and talks about the, the Shabbat. And it says here, Moshe Adonai said to Moshe, saying, Now ve'atad bene yisrael, Now you shall speak to the children of Israel uh lemore ach so it says more so it says you shall say however so the says is teach to this word ach is uh what where we uh we we translate as however is giving an exception to a a a rule that was just stated and uh, this from this we derive the uh, concept that even when it comes to making the various things for the tabernacle, for the, uh, um, for the temple even, that we should not do so on the Shabbat, that the Shabbat is so sacred that we should protect it and guard it. So even if, if you're in the middle of making the menorah, or actually uh, the menorah might made itself, but if you're making the utensils and uh, the Sabbath is coming, you shouldn't say to yourself, well, look, this is very important because this is for the tabernacle. This is why it says, Adonai said the Moshe, saying, Now speak to the children of Israel and saying, However, however, you must observe my Sabbath. In other words, if you're not yet done with the utensils, put them down and keep the Sabbath. This is how important the Shabbat is. And, uh, you know, I just want to point this out, that in the in the book of Luke, I think it's, uh, I don't have the uh, basara in front of me here, but in the book of Luke, when it talks about the Mashiach, and after the crucifixion, his body is taken down off the crucifixion stake and he's laid in a tomb. But his body is not uh, ready for burial. It hasn't really been anointed, hasn't been prepared. He's just kind of, you know, you can imagine just kind of a bloody mess put into a tomb. But we're not allowed, we're not supposed to prepare a body on Shabbat. You can take a body for, out of a dangerous situation and put it where it'll be safe, where none of the it won't be exposed to the elements, it won't be exposed to uh, animals, and so on. But as far as preparing it for burial, you're not allowed to do that. You have to wait for the Sabbath. I mean, wait for the Sabbath to be over. So we learn and and uh, remember that Mashiach is the Temple, right? His body is—he is the Temple, ultimately. So we're not allowed to work on the Tabernacle, on the Temple, on Shabbat. So. I want you to get this picture because many people ask the question from time to time very often asked something will come up right they'll ask me rabbi i've got uh uh I've got this job, it's a good job it's uh you know it's going to pay uh, good money, good money, whatever whatever and uh they told me I have to work on Shabbat though." And so um I told them that I'm Jewish and uh but I'm scared that if I don't do what they want me to do, then uh, you know, um I won't get the job. Or maybe it's a it's a it's some type of training. I've got to go into training. They told me you have to be there, required. Uh and, or maybe it's a college program, like a, the the only class they offer is on Shabbat, right? Um so I would just say to that person, uh, it, you know, first of all, is the job uh, military, police, or medical? Uh, no, okay, well then all bets are off. But let's look at uh, the situation with Yeshua's body being placed in the tomb and how important that was. It says that the women who were with him, who includes his mother, decided that once they saw that his body had been put in the the tomb, the Scripture says in the Basara that they they left. Him sitting there, laying there, in order to do what? In order to keep the Sabbath. It says that in the book of Luke, that they did this in order to keep the Shabbat, in order to keep the commandments. Now so just think about that for a moment. How important is this Shabbat to the women? And I, I believe that it mentions women because women are, in this instance, would be the ones, first of all, they were the ones who were there. A lot of the guys, except for Kepha, had split uh, in fear. But the women are the the, the most emotional, the most uh, emotionally attached, and the mother especially to her son. And here she's looking at her son, and he's all bloody. He's just laying there, and yet what does she do? A lot of mothers would have said, "I don't care if it's a Shabbat or not. I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare his body," you know, and the tears flowing. And not only that, not, not only is he just a son; he's the Mashiach. We've got it. We can't just leave him there. So it says here, however, you must observe my sabbaths. In other words, stop working on the temple in order to keep the Shabbat. The women, the reason they walked away, including the mother, the reason they walked away is because you know that the Mashiach would have been teaching them the importance of the Sabbath. And so if if the mother of the Mashiach was able to walk away from his body in order to keep the Sabbath, then we should be able to walk away from anything else. It's a test. And I should just tell you that this is how important the Shabbat is. And look, I have, uh, I've been in situations, um, you know, uh, where people said to me, uh, you've got to come in here and take this class, take this course, uh, got to do this in order to fulfill whatever, whatever. And it's on Shabbat. <clears throat> and I just tell them, so look, I'm Jewish and I can't do it, period, can't do it. Um, so for religious reasons, I can't do it. You know what they do? They provide an alternative. You know why? Because many companies and many states are required to do so by law. They cannot allow to discriminate against your your in, your in uh, religious beliefs. This applies to colleges as well. So if you come in with a legitimate religious belief, I can't do this because Shabbat, so I'm Jewish, I can't. They cannot penalize you for that. They can't say, well, you're not going to get your degree. You're not going to get your certification. I'm gonna, you know, you're, you're not, not going to hire. You're not allowed to do that. They have to make a reasonable accommodation. It's all a test. Because if you acquiesce to it, by the way, just, this is just a little free advice for you. If you acquiesce and what you're really saying is, I'm not committed. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I don't really mean it. It's not really a big deal. And so what's going to happen next time? The next time you say, well, this time I really need the Sabbath off. they would be like, well, you worked last Sabbath. Okay, so it says, however, you must observe my Shabbat, for it is a sign between me and you for your generations to know that I am Adonai who makes you holy. You shall observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Its desecrators shall be put to death, for whoever does work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. For six days work may be done, and the seventh day is a day of complete rest. It is sacred to Adonai, whoever does work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. So it says here in the ArtScroll of Kumash, just to share a few insights on the particular topic of the Shabbat, it says here, what is the supremacy of the Sabbath? Why is it here that the Sabbath is repeated and why is the Sabbath repeated and spoken about so uh, very often uh, in Scripture? So it says in the article, uh, Humash, um, Israel must observe the Sabbath even while it is fas- fashioning and, and uh, resting, uh, even wh- uh, while it is fashioning and resting the place of God's glory. This emphatically contradicts those who claim that the laws of the Sabbath must be uh, pliable enough to be relaxed for valid spiritual considerations. So Rabbi Bakia explains that the Sabbath is the principal faith uh and it is excuse, i'm I'm sorry pardon me, the Sabbath is the principle of faith, and it is equivalent to all the commandments for through the commandment of the Sabbath, one expresses his belief in the creation of the world that it was created in six days, and God rested on the Shabbat. This is why we say what we say when we are doing the kiddush, right? So the when we keep the Sabbath, we are proclaiming that God is God, that he's the creator, that everything comes from him. He's the source of everything. By the way, he is the source of everything. You are never going to suffer based on what I said a few minutes ago about, hey, look, you know, you're at school, the college tells you you have to take the class on Shabbat. You just tell them politely, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't, here's why. The, the job says you've got to work on Shabbat, you say, I'm so sorry, I can't, here's why. Uh what you know all those kind of things you just you never acquiesce you just it, you say stol- solid as a rock. Hashem is our source. Hashem is our source in case you didn't hear what I said, I said, Hashem is our source. You are never going to suffer financial loss by keeping the commandments now I'll say that, Now, hold on a second. you would say, well, I did suffer financial loss i didn't they didn't hire me. No, you didn't hear what I said. Hashem has never—he's—he's never seen his children forsake, you know, a righteous one forsaken, or his children begging for bread. We're gonna—you might fu- suffer financial loss because you didn't get the job or whatever, but Hashem is not gonna let you suffer shame and loss for fulfilling his mitzvah. However, you can be guaranteed that the minute that you, or any of us. Uh, dispense with Torah because we're trying to to make a financial gain or some other kind of gain or because we're trying to uh, please man, you can guarantee that you will suffer permanent loss. I'm just saying, uh, you know, we once had a a dear, dear, dear friend of blessed memory, Judy Denton used to, was was our founding member uh, with our synagogue and she's a Uh, Went on to Shemayim a few years ago, miss her dearly, but she had a a business. Um, She was a uh, consummate uh, interior designer, interior decorator. And so she did this uh, for years and she was a master at it. And so uh, her clientele, it was like Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. That's when everybody wanted her to come over. It's like this big thing. And so when she came and started to really embrace a Torah true life centered on Yeshua, she started to feel the conviction that uh you know she needed to make a, a a transition in her business. And she spoke to me about it, spoke to my wife about it, we were very close and she said that she was afraid that that uh that basically her business would just collapse. But uh she said you know what i i have to, i have to obey god and it, what's going to happen is what's going to happen so she just systematically began to tell her clients that she had that uh you know the sa- all bets were off from friday night sundown to saturday night sundown and uh sh- you know she'd be happy to come over any other time and new clients who called same thing she told them and here she was uh, fearful you know uh she was she didn't know what was going to happen but She chose God over mammon. She chose God over man. And what happened? What happened? What was the end of the story? Actually, what happened was her business doubled and tripled. She had more clients. And every single person was like, oh, oh, no problem. Can't come over. No problem. Sunday's fine. Sunday's fine. Monday's fine. Tuesday's fine. Thursday's fine. No problem. And so her business went crazy. And uh, she even was so busy, she employed, or went into partnership, uh, partnership anyway, with another lady in our synagogue. So listen, God's got this. Don't, uh, don't worry about it. So this is why, so conversely, if we, so just, if we don't keep the Sabbath, if, if keeping the Sabbath is a declaration that God is God, that he's the creator, that's our sign, that is our testimony, that is our witness If we don't keep the Sabbath, then following the logical conclusion, we are hasve shalom, denying God as the creator, as the one true God, as the provider. So you see how significant the Shabbat is? We might think, well, if I desecrate it, it's no problem. But in fact, by doing that, we're actually making A statement that God isn't God. Something else is my God. Maybe the soccer game is my God. Maybe the football game is my God. Maybe the cell at Target is my God. Maybe uh, whatever, the the boss is my God. You understand? Now there's exceptions for this, of course. Life over law. So if you're saving or protecting life, there's a, uh, you know, there's an there's a, uh, exception is what I'm trying to say for that. I love what it says here in the art school Humash as well with respect to preparation for the Sabbath. So it's referring to verse 16 where it says to make the Sabbath. It says it is a token of respect for the Shabbat that one prepare for it ahead of time so that he will have fine food for that day. That's what Rabbi uh, Bakya says. It also says, and to avoid the danger that one will perform forbidden work on the day itself. He's Kuni says that. Thus, one makes the Sabbath by preparing for it so that it will be observed properly when it arrives. According to the Midrash, one who observes the Sabbath in this world makes the Sabbath in heaven. That is, he elevates its spiritual standing by abstaining from forbidden activity, thereby affirming his faith in the creator. Now listen to this. This is the beauty of God. When we keep the Sabbath, I just got through saying, when we keep the Sabbath, we, we in fact make a, a, a declaration that God is God, that he is uh, the one true God, the redeemer, etc. But the beautiful thing about God is, is that he gives us the opportunity to keep the Sabbath all week long. Do you understand something here? I want you to get this in your soul because this is what ministers to me on such a deep level because being a man, you know, men t- typically like practical things. We like we want to know how we we like to know that that by by doing something practical it can be deeply spiritual and it can be an expression of love for God. Women don't really need that necessarily. They They just kind of float around loving God and walking in the Spirit. Men need something more practical. So to me, what I'm about to say is very inspirational. And that is that when you stop on Thursday or maybe Friday afternoon or morning or whatever, and you fill your vehicle up with fuel because you want to take care of that so it's all Shabbat or whatever, Or when you go uh, midweek and you start buying groceries because you want to get that for the Sabbath. Or maybe when you take your suit to the cleaners or your dress to the cleaners so that it can be ready for the Shabbat or whatever you're doing, like that is an act of worship and it's actually an act of keeping the Sabbath. Even your preparation, this is the point, even your preparation is a spiritual act of Torah-true Judaism centered on Messiah. That's the beauty. Taking your your suit to the cleaners, filling up the car with fuel, uh, you know, even mowing the lawn so that you don't have to do it on Shabbat. All of that. All of that is a spiritual act of, of, of worship. Every single bit of it. That's the beautiful thing about God and how He... Opens up, as it were, the spiritual realm to us. We think that we have to be sitting at the table and saying the kiddush, or saying the bracha over or saying the uh, the birkat uh, kohanim, or something like that, in in order for that to be counted as a uh, as the spiritual keeping of the Shabbat. And God says, no, all that's awesome, all that's wonderful, but you should know that when you filled up your gas a while ago, before the Sabbath began, that was a spiritual act you should also know that when you told the person, I'm so sorry, I can't do that on Shabbat, i will be happy to see it any other time, that too was a spiritual act. That too was a mitzvah. That too was part of the declaration of um, God as God. We have lots of uh, deities in this world that are vying to sit on the throne in your heart. And uh, you have to make sure that you put up a sign and says, this is reserved for Hashem only. So it says in verse 18, let's read uh, verse 18, when he finished speaking to him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moshe the two tablets of the testimony, stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. Transitioning now from the discussion of the tablets, I want to bring out a a very important point, I believe anyway, um, that really kind of contradicts completely contradicts the notion that Messiah can be a mere human, okay? Uh, Now, there's lots of different aspects of this we could talk about, but what it says here in both the Art Skol Kulmash and also uh, with respect to uh, what Rabbi Monk is going to say, it's really an impossibility that the Messiah could be just a human. It really is impossible because if you really think about it, I know people will throw out... Well, what about this aspect? What about that? Well, let's just deal with the practical reality. There have been many great, 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 great human beings who have been Mashiach figures. And uh, all of them had, uh, many of them I should say, had the perfect scenario in order to redeem the world and yet they still weren't good enough. The, one, the first one comes to mind is Noah. Noah walks into the ark. With another word for ark is the is the word of God, and he walks out of the ark. And he and his his sons they're the, they're it. There there's nobody to uh, there, um, you know. There's no evil in. There's no Babylon. There's no Egypt. There's nobody to corrupt him, so to speak. I mean, he, if anything, is poised to be the second Adam. What happens in a matter of an extremely short time? He fails. Well, going here to the Art School Kumas. let's read this right quick. My point being is that if uh, some of these men, Joseph is another example, if some of these human beings were not able to redeem Israel, what makes us think that another human is going to come along and be better? And what greater example than, than Moses? Let's read. It says he gave Moses, throughout the 40 days that Moshe was on Mount Sinai, God taught him the Torah, okay, but he constantly forgot. Finally, God presented it to him as a gift, as if it were his bride. If it was impossible for a human being, if it was impossible for a human being, if it was impossible. For a human being, even one as great as Moses, to absorb God's wisdom without divine assistance, why didn't God present it to him immediately without forcing him to go through the 40 days of frustrating failure? Hidushe Harim explains that the Torah can be understood only with God's help, but he gives such assistance only to someone who tries his utmost to master it. Thus Moses earned the divine gift by means of his effort. The same is true of every student of the Torah. It is up to us to try to limit our ability. It is up to us to try to limit our, of, to the limit of our ability. Then we can uh, have God's help. The whole point of this comment is to teach us that we should persist in our Torah learning. It's not a bad thing. We absolutely should, regardless of how we think um smart we are or whatever um or not smart if we if we particularly if we we don't feel like we're all that great we should persist in our learning because if we persist god will honor our efforts by giving us insight beyond our ability not that's that's what the point of the comment it's wonderful it's awesome amazing and it's true i want to go back to the fact that it says here that it's Im- it's impossible say that with me impossible. So let's say it in Spanish, imposible. It is impossible for a human being to grasp the entire depths of the Torah. And yet we learn in a Midrash that the Messiah is the Rosh Yeshiva of the, of the Torah Yeshiva in, in Shemaim, who is going to teach us not just the Torah we know, but a new Torah, meaning the deep inner levels of the Torah. But wait a minute. It just got through saying here that it's impossible for a human being to even grasp the basics. That's awkward. And is there going to be a man greater than Moses? Will there really be a human being greater than Moses? Think about how great Moses was. Think, I, mean, I mean, think about it. The burning bush, the ten plagues, the sea, the manna. The pillars of fire. Now the argument is, and I'm just saying this. Listen, I'm, I'm a, i am i am like to think that I'm a rational, logical thinker. I really strive hard in that area of my life. The argument is, well, he's going to be human, but he'll be inspired with the ruach hakodesh. Moshe wasn't. In fact, we learned that all the patriarchs, Yosef, Moshe. King Saul, even and King David, and all the prophets—they were all in, filled with the Ruach Hakodesh. Oh, well, it will be a higher level, higher than Moses? Let's explain. When all this is going on, first of all, let, let me let me let me read this from Rabbi Monk. This is very important because all of all the hyperbole and all the all the. Uh, all the arguments you might hear in your life about how the Messiah is only going to be human and people will do hour and a half long teachings from the Torah and, you're, and you you become convinced, oh yeah, he's going to be human. Then you come back to this and go, wait a minute, how can he be, be human? All right. He's a divine Messiah, all right? That's just the way it is. But let's listen. It says, quoting the Talmud, Rashi comments that the Torah was given to Moshe as a gift, as a bride is given to her husband. Right. You know... Okay, let's just stop right there. He said that the Torah was given to Moses as a gift. What's the difference between the Messiah and Moses? The Messiah is Torah. So if it says here, Moshe was given the Torah as a gift, the Mashiach is the Torah. But that's a whole nother topic. Alright, so it says... As a bride is given to her husband since he could not have studied and absorbed he could not have studied and absorbed all of it in such a short time 40 days he's up there up where we'll talk about that in a second from this the talmud concludes that a man must always study even if he does not have the necessary talents intelligence or memory avodah zarah 19a absolutely i don't care if you think that you're not all that smart you should study Torah god will help you i promise it says, for to, for to the one who strives diligently despite his lack of ability, Hashem will ultimately grant the Torah as a free gift. Absolutely. Every human being needs that because none of us can get it all. That is what we observe from the example of Moshe. So Moses is our example as a human being, as a human Messiah, because Moses is a, is, a, is a type of Mashiach. As a human Messiah, he, his main message to us is you need God's help. So it says says here, Hashem wanted to teach him the Torah with all its relative commentaries in 40 days. As it happened, not even the mental prowess of Moshe could be equal to such a challenge. Not even the mental prowess of Moses could be equal to such a challenge. Moshe, the greatest prophet, the greatest leader, the greatest teacher, the one um, uh, that, is, that the, the, the law is named after him, the law of Moses, even he couldn't grasp it all. So I'm, my point is, if Moshe couldn't be the redeemer, what makes us think that we're waiting on some other human to come along and be better? Ultimately, Hashem and his kindness made him a gift of Torah with all its contents as one heaps riches on someone who could not have acquired them by himself. All right. So let's paint the picture because the argument is, well, when the human Messiah comes, God will fill him with the Spirit who will have the Spirit of God on him, and as a result, he'll be able to transcend his humanness and somehow be able to, a, a simple human being will be somehow be able to radically change the uh, the heavens and the earth, uh, um, never mind the fact that the Spirit of Messiah existed before creation and hovered over the waters of the deep. That's a whole other topic. But let's just deal with the uh, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and life will be good aspect. L- let's paint the picture of what was going on when when the the commentators here are telling us that Moshe couldn't get it all. Okay, just got a few minutes left here. Let's 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 spend some time here. He went up to the mountain, right, right. Um, but when he got to the top of the mountain, he walked into God's cloud of glory. God, first of all, God is there, and his ent- every single angel is there. Uh, all the, the myriads of Shemaim are there. God is there in the full manifestation of His rule HaKodesh. And uh, Michael is there, and Gabriel is there, and uh, Raphael is there, and Uriel is there, the four general angels. And above them is this special angel named Memtet. He's there. Uh, thunder and lightning, lapides everywhere, columns of fire, columns of smoke. And when he walks up to the mountain, he walks into Shemayim. He literally leaves the dimension of this universe and walks into Shemayim. He's walking around Shemayim. God is showing him, uh, the angels rather, are showing him all the aspects uh, of, of Shemayim. God uh, shows him the uh, uh, all of the, the the tabernacle and all of its... Uh, intricate details we learned yesterday. He even shows him a fiery coin and says, "This is the uh, half shekel you're supposed to to have the people give." And then when it comes time to actually enter into the throne room of 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 Hashem and actually come into His divine presence, the angels tell him that, "Listen, you're about to enter into the place where Memtet is, and since memtet is a fiery angel, quote unquote, uh, like my God is a consuming God, I'm we're going to have to uh, transform you." into a fiery being so that you can be in the, the presence of Memtet. And so this, I'm just telling you, this is the background. So here's 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 Moshe in Shemayim, surrounded by God's glory. He's a flaming human torch standing in front of God, and he still can't get it. He's And I'm, I'm not bashing Moses. Please don't misunderstand me. All I'm saying is, is that if you're going to say, well, when the human Messiah comes, he'll be filled with God's spirit and and he'll be able to do it. My response to that is Moses didn't. And Moses was a flaming fire standing in the Holy of Holies. And he still couldn't comprehend the Torah. And not only that. Let's continue reading Rabbi Monk, shall we? Let's. It says, speaking with him. On Mount Sinai, Moses was in an exalted state, experiencing a dialogue with Hashem. Rashi comments that first Moses heard the commandments directly from Hashem, then Hashem and he reviewed them together. That's pretty much as close as you can get as a human. It says, understandably, after Moses had heard the statutes and laws described in Sidra Mishpatim, he was reluctant to leave those exquisite heights where he was welcomed like a bridegroom under a wedding canopy. So in his mind, he's like he's dwelling in Hashem's chuppah. So it says Moses tarried there preferring to continue learning halacha from Hashem rather than rejoining the ordinary world of humans with their petty concerns. Amen to that, brother. I don't blame you. It says it pained him to go back down and he only resigned himself to do so when Hashem had commanded him, Lech ra, 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 raid, slika. go descend. Now listen to this, because we, we want a human Messiah, right? I don't, but some people do. I just got through telling you the, the level that Moshe, Moshe was at, and Moshe is a Mashiach, it says here, this delay by Moses was indirectly responsible for the tragic sin of the golden calf because the people became confused by his failure to appear when he was expected. So all, with all of what I just said, not only with, with Moshe being an angel of fire, with Moshe being in Shemayim, with Moshe walking around the heavenly tabernacle, with Moshe talking with God and sitting down with God, so to speak, and learning Halakha and Torah with God. Not only with all of that could he not get the full the fullness of the Torah, not only could he not achieve that level But he even caused, or at least was partially, a causation of the golden calf. So, people will disagree with me, and that's their prerogative. But all I'm saying is, if Moshe was all of that as a human being, and he still couldn't bring the redemption, what on God's green earth, makes us think that a human's going to come along and do better than that. I'm just saying, I don't think so. End of our Aliyah today. (laughs) I thank you so much. Uh, Baruch Hashem. May you have a beautiful, wonderful, and awesome day. We will get to the incident of the golden calf tomorrow with God's help and explore that as we are working through, really, the second Aliyah uh, because it's so long and beautiful. So, you have a beautiful, long, and glorious day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom, shalom.